Masechet Gitin, Daf Kafdalet. Today we complete the second pedic uh, with a couple more points about messengers and women being messengers, the wife herself and her sisters-in-law. Um, and then we are going to begin the third pedic about writing the get lishma. So we mentioned in the Mishnah yesterday that there's a group of women that uh, normally don't get, a well, don't get along so well, and that's a wife's uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law and co-wife, and therefore they might have it out for her, and so they cannot be trusted to say, we saw that your husband has died. Maybe they're lying so that she'll get remarried, and then the husband will come back, and then she will have to divorce both men. Um, however, the Mishnah said that these women can be a shaliach to bring a get, um, and uh, that's just fine. Um, whereas the Baraita says the opposite, um, that just like they cannot say mit balach, so too they are not um, believed, they're not trustworthy to be a messenger to bring a get. So now we have a contradiction between the Mishnah and the Braita. We saw one way of resolving it, which is that of Rav Yosef, who said, in the land of Israel, where you don't have to say anything, that's what the Mishnah was talking about, right? There, the woman is just bringing it, and the Mishnah itself uh, gave some justification uh, and said, Shekatav mochiach. Right, so uh, because it's it's different from um, when he sh- when she says I saw your husband has died because there it's only her words that's all we're basing it on but here the woman is coming with a document and just simply saying the husband authorized me to give you this document and so therefore since there is written proof um, alongside her presence so that is sufficient and we don't have to rely on anything she's saying. So that's the Mishnah, which is lenient, was within the land of Israel. Whereas the Braita, which was stringent, that's talking about when she brings it from a different country, and she has to say, where we do not believe her. We have very, very low uh, faith in these women, um, because they often hate the wife. And therefore, if we have to rely also on her words, we are not going to do that. And that's what the Braita was talking about. All right, that's what we're up to. Abaye says the opposite logic makes more sense. Makes sense to say that the Braita, which is stringent, that's actually talking about in the land of Israel. Um, because if it's in the land of Israel and you don't say, and then later, if the husband should come and contest the get and say, this is a forged get, I did not authorize it, um, then the woman will have a, the wife will have a major problem. And that's where we have to worry that her sister-in-law is going to bring it within the land of Israel give it to her as if it's credible, and she'll get married, and later on the husband will come, contest it, and um, then she won't be able to, um, uh, she won't be able to ratify it because the sister forged it, the sister-in-law forged it, or, or, or brought it without authorization. And then that will cause her major problems. That's where you have to be stringent within the land of Israel. However, if the sister-in-law or co-wife brings it from outside the land of Israel and says, that is a pre-ratification. And even if the husband comes and contests it afterwards, we do not listen to the husband. She remains properly divorced. In that case, 
the sister-in-law is not going to bother making up a, a get because it's not going to harm the her sister-in-law. Um, she will be divorced and she'll marry another man and help, live happily ever after. Um, but that's not that's not as um, uh, so there is a downside that she'll, she'll think she's divorced if, if she's not. Um, but it's not going to ruin her life the, uh, like, uh, like it would if it, was, um, if it was contested afterwards and she finds out she had never been uh, divorced all along and now the future children are Mamzerim and she can't be with either one. Right in this case, if she just thinks she's, she's divorced, I mean, look, she can always go back to to the husband and say, "Hey, why'd you divorce me? Let's get back together." And he'll say, "What? I didn't divorce you." Right. So um, they could always uh, figure it out afterwards. Okay. So when you're outside the land of Israel, where even if she comes and forges a document and says lichtav, and even though she's lying, she will not mess up the uh, the wife, and therefore she's not going to bother to lie and so therefore in that case we should allow them because if they do come bring a get and say they're probably credible right because it wouldn't be so much in their interest to lie because um, this would be validated as a get forevermore so that's Abaye's opposite distinction we have a Braita that's going to support Abaye right so again Abaye is saying that the case of the Mishnah is when you brought it from outside the land of Israel that's when you should believe them to be credible, and that's what this Braita is going to say. Teaches that a wife herself is uh, is uh, believable, is credible to bring her own get. Right, she can show up with her own get and say, right, my husband gave this to me in some other place. And uh, and here it is, um, and we can learn this from a kava chomer. Those women, the in-laws and co-wife that the chachamim said are not credible to say your husband died, and yet they are credible, as the Mishnah said, to say to bring a get. That if so, then all the more so the wife herself, who is believed to say my husband dies. If a couple goes on a trip and she comes back alone and says my husband dies died we believe her so all the more so she is so she is more believed than 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 the co-wives and sisters-in-law so all the more so she should be believed credible to bring her own get and say my husband uh, wrote this get and gave it to me over there in that place and here it is now, since you're learning from a Kavachomer, the laws that apply to the source law are also going to apply to the destination law. So from the place that you came, just like regarding those other women that we believe them, if they say, this is the, this is the proof that this Badaita supports Abaye, right? Because you see, Abaye... Um, uh, explained our Mishnah as being a case where, where, when are the these uh, in-law women believed? When they bring it from elsewhere and they say and also in this Braita, it's assuming that when are those in-law women believed? When they say when they bring it from far away. And so since that's true from the source, therefore the wife also, if she is bringing her own get 
from elsewhere and delivering it. We're going to talk about this case in a second. Um, she also has to say this formula, which is also exactly what the Mishnah itself said, right? The wife herself, if she brings her get, has to say, So you see that this Braita, which is sourced in the Rabbi Akiva, is uh, an elaboration or maybe even the source of the shorter version of our Mishnah and does say that we're talking about a case where it's brought from overseas and you say that's where those um, in-laws are believed. Good. said, not only do I have a proof for Abaye from this parallel Braita, even from the wording of the Mishnah itself, the end of the Mishnah is a case where the wife brings it herself and she has to say, meaning she's bringing it from elsewhere and saying the formula. So it makes sense that the whole Braita is, is in the same case, that the whole Braita is talking about a case where they brought it from overseas and said the formula. And that's precisely and only where those in-laws and co-wives are believed, and that is the interpretation of Abaye. Now back to Rav Yosef, how are you going to interpret the Mishnah? Resha means the previous Mishnah. Back a daf ago, it was talking about the blind person, and we said that the blind person um, can bring it um, and we, we, were, we were talking about, well, how can he bring it? Because the blind person cannot be a messenger. Why can't it be a messenger? Because he has to say, and he can't see it. Okay, so we were assuming that we interpreted the previous Mishnah to be uh, some uh, get coming from overseas. And the Sefa, meaning the last line right here about the wife herself, that also has a formula, so that's also from overseas. And Rav, and, uh, Rav Yosef is saying that the middle part about the in-law and co-wife woman, that's talking about Ba'aretz. That was his ukimta. Well, does that make sense? And we say, yes. Sometimes you could have such a thing. I mean, we prefer that uh, whole Mishnah. Uh, I mean, even though in, in our Talmud, this Mishnah is broken up from the previous Mishnah. But this Mishnah breakup is artificial. This was just done by printers to put the Mishnah, Mishnayot, uh, near the Gemara that they are with. Um, but in some manuscripts, they have the Mishnayot in other places. And uh, the the rabbis themselves, the Amoraim themselves, did had the whole Mishnah all together. Uh, so when they say Resha and Sefa, they just they mean, you know, looking at the Mishnayot all as one, and so an earlier and later one. Okay, so when you're looking at all the Mishnayot as one, certainly you'd prefer to have um, an interpretation that all the Mishnayot are talking about the same case. But it can happen sometimes that the Mishnayot are talking about different cases, and maybe it is jumping from one to the other, and in fact, that's what Av Yosef says. Now, Mimai, and how does your, Rav Yosef know this? Rav Yosef actually has his own uh, insightful and careful reading of the Mishnah, because the, the Mishnah, to justify why in-law and co-wife and mother-in-law people can are believed when they bring a get is because haketav mochiach Mishnah just says that the writing proves that they have good support because here is the get and it doesn't say the ketav and their statement prove it so we can infer from that that we're talking about a case within the land of Israel where all they have is the ketav and they didn't say anything if they were bringing this from outside of Israel it would have should have said that oh they're writing and the what and the statement that they said 
And so Rav Yosef does in fact interpret it as uh, going back and forth between cases. How would Abaye explain the word pe? Maybe it's because she is saying something, but we don't particularly believe what she's saying. So it's not relying on the fact that she said that, um, but rather we're relying on the fact that she brought it from elsewhere. And well, she did say this, so um, she officially did what the uh, the what she had to do, and we will believe it. It's actually because we do believe her and it's pre-certified. That's why we believe her, right? Um, in other words, since because in general a shaliach that brings something as one, even though they're only one person, we have a special leniency regarding get that if they say the formula, it's pre-certified. Because it's pre-certified, the uh, evil co-wife. Will not want, will not gain anything. It will not harm the wife, the, the co-wife uh, significantly by lying because we're going to register the statement and accept it. Um, so it's really because we believe it, which is why is why um, we accept it um, uh, automatically. That's why we can believe it because then they have no incentive to lie. All right. So Rav Yosef does have, have, a, have a good point that really it should say Ketav and Peh because we're lying on the Peh. Um, and so we have those two interpretations of the Mishnah. All right. Last clause of the Mishnah. A woman can bring her own get um, from overseas, and she would have to say the formula. And now, hold on. This does. What, what kind of case are we talking about? Uh, once the get gets to her hand, right? If they are out down in Egypt, and the husband gives her a get and says, "Here, take this to Yerushalayim." But the second the husband gives the get to the wife, she's already divorced. So why does she have to come to Jerusalem? Why does she have to say anything? We're talking about a case where the husband adds a condition. It says, here is your get, but you will not be divorced until you get to this betin in Yerushalayim. Okay, so that's why she's not divorced until she fulfills that condition. But um, So that's Rav Huna's answer. But we, uh, the Gemara asks, Okay, fine, but that's just the condition. And therefore, once she arrives at the Betin, the condition is fulfilled and she be, she'll be automatically uh, divorced. Why would she have to add It's just a condition, but the giving was there in Egypt and now the condition is fulfilled that she showed up. So we challenge this uh, answer. Um, you see, notice that Rav Yosef is a named Amora. Who's asking the question on Rav Huna? It doesn't say. Stam. Okay, so this is the, the, uh, the Gemara itself, the editors of the Gemara. They're saying, wait, we have a question about that. You see, this uh, Rav Huna, it's not clear if he was asking the question. It doesn't say the question in his name. Uh, but rather, he had a different interpretation of the Gemara. And so it's the stam of the Gemara that's, making, that's bringing the, the two together and gluing them together by challenging the first so that it can link up to the second, right? The Gemara likes to do that. It doesn't like to just say, here there's three answers, one, two, three. It likes to bring one. What's wrong with it? There, therefore, we can bring two. What's wrong with it? Okay, you know what? We'll bring a third one. And it's much better dialectically. It's much better for memory, right? And that's the uh, that's what the Bavli does all the time, but it's good to be cognizant of it. So the second answer is, We're talking about where the husband says, Go to the, here's your get, go to that place, and when you get there, 
put it on the floor and then take it up and then pick it up and that's when you'll uh, be divorced so therefore she's not divorced uh, when she first gets it because he's saying I'm not giving it to you as a get right now I'm just giving it to you to bring over there and then you then have to acquire it separately and so since when she gets there she's not yet divorced right so she has to bring it as a messenger and therefore she would have to say right here I am bringing it to to the to the court then she'll drop it on the ground and then she'll pick it up and that will be her act of transfer the act of receiving it so that's the second answer um, However, with the Gemara challenges is too. But this would be a case of, uh, let's say the husband and wife are there, right, right, right next to each other. And the husband, instead of giving it, putting it in her hands, which is the usual way, he puts it on the floor and say, pick it up from the ground. Um, maybe they're very uh, have a lot of animosity. He doesn't he doesn't want to give it to her. It's like you know when you want to have to pay someone and but you don't really want to pay them, so you drop the money on the floor here, pick it up. Right? It's kind of disgraceful. All right, whatever the reason he's doing it, he says he puts it on the floor and and, and then the she pick and then and he says go pick it up. And Ava said if a husband does that, it's he he said nothing. It's not good. Um, a it says venatan la the husband has to give the get to her. Yes, he can do it through a shaliach. Yes, he can put it in her domain, in her courtyard. He can do it in other ways, but he has to give it to her, either directly or through a shaliach or to her domain. He cannot do it. What you cannot do is put it on the ground in the middle of nowhere and have her pick it up because there's no handoff. There's no transfer. And so therefore, uh, based on Rava's principle, we re re reject the uh, answer of Rav, Rav Huna. And uh, the Gemara now offers a third one, and this is Stam. Uh, so this is uh, an anonymous, uh, um, probably from the editors of the Gemara themselves. Ela damarla, havi shaliach leholacha ademati tatam. Right, what would Ravuna answer to Rava? It could be that he didn't agree with the principle of Rava. Maybe, he's, maybe he would say that a husband can put it on the ground and pick it up. Right. So the Gemara is um, bringing all these ideas together and saying, well, what if we do have Rava and we can't have that? How else could we find the case? And so we'll end up with many, many possibilities, which is good. Okay, so now the Gemara's own possibility, and the third answer we have is that the husband says, You are, my wife, are a shaliach leholacha. You're going to be a messenger to bring it until you get to Jerusalem. Once you get to Jerusalem, I want you to switch roles, and then you should be a shaliach to receive your own get as an agent to receive it. Now, it's actually not necessary that she be an agent to receive it. She could also just be herself, right? Uh, but, uh, but it will be the same point. The point is that I'm sending you only as a shaliach. Therefore, when the husband first gives the wife the get to the wife in back, in Egypt, he's not giving it to her as a get, so she's not divorced. She is just a messenger. She gets to uh, she gets to Jerusalem, and then she's holding on. She's not going to drop it and pick it up because that's a problem. She's holding on to it. She simply changes roles and suddenly becomes not a shaliach, but becomes herself or becomes her own shaliach. Same thing, and that's how it works. Um, so that's the third answer. 
But now the Gemara challenges its own answer. And this could be um, uh, uh, this could be a secondary set of uh, of stamaim of editorial uh, layer, or it could be the same group um, who are uh, questioning back and forth and further and further clarifying. Okay, so what's the problem with that? That is, this is not agency that can be returned to the husband. Uh, what does that mean? In general, in order for an agent, for a shaliach to be a valid agent, they have to do their job and complete it such that at least potentially they could go back to the uh, sender as the, as the messenger and say, I've completed my job and now I am, uh, I'm done, right? right? We're, we're totally done. And you can go back as the, still as the messenger. Um, another, not that every messenger has to go back to the sender and do that, but the point is he has to, in his role as messenger, completely finish the job. And the problem here is that she, this wife, she is a messenger. She's bringing it, bringing it, bringing it to Jerusalem. And then she has to hand it off to someone. But now she is instantaneously turned into herself or a messenger for herself. And at that moment, she is no longer a messenger for her husband, for her husband. So therefore, she never actually completes the um, messengership. She never completes the task. Because before giving it to someone, she becomes the receiver. And how can she be the sender and receiver at the same time? If she's the sender and receiver at the same time, then she never finished her job as the sender. And she would not, even in, even in theory, be able to go back to the husband and say, I, as your messenger, have completed your job. She never completed it. Um, okay, so it has to, we need uh, something else here. So rather, Here's what the husband says back in Egypt. You, my wife, you will be a messenger to bring it to Jerusalem. When you get to Jerusalem, I want you to appoint an agent to receive it on behalf of you. And when you get to Jerusalem, then find someone, uh, some guy, Mr. Friedman, and tell Mr. Friedman, listen, um, I'm appointing you as a, as, as a woman, I'm a, as a wife, I'm appointing you as my agent to receive the get. He says, okay, fine. Now she's back in her role as a messenger and says, as a messenger of my, of Mr. Uh, my husband, here is the, here is the get that you will receive on behalf of his wife, who happens to be me. That's okay because she completed her job as a messenger for the husband and she could go back and say, look, I completed it, right? All right now I'm uh, off duty. And so this is fine. This is a good answer. All right. Now, but this answer will only be only work for the opinion that says that a wife can make a messenger to receive her get. Now we're learning that actually there's a machloket about whether a wife can do such a thing. So if you say she can, then yes, this will be a good answer. She goes and says, Mr. Friedman, you be my messenger to receive it. And she then, as a messenger for the husband, and gives it to Mr. Friedman, who is her uh, messenger. That's fine. But there's another opinion that says a wife cannot appoint a messenger. Everyone agrees that the husband can appoint a messenger 
to bring the get, but not everybody agrees that the wife can appoint a messenger to receive the get. So then what, what, what's going to be your solution? Well, so now we split into two and it depends the, on the reason. And there's two different reasons why a woman wouldn't be able to appoint a messenger. In the general case, right, not this complicated case, um, in general case, um, if a husband um, it comes to give the get and uh, the wife is there, that's the easy case. If the husband comes to give the get himself and the wife sends a messenger, uh, then, well, the, my wife, the husband may think to himself, you know, I really wanted to give it to her, uh, but she sent a messenger. If he gives it, that means he's okay with giving it. So that case would be fine too. The problem is, if a husband appoints a messenger, and then the wife also appoints a messenger, then we have to worry, because maybe the husband will think, will think to himself, right, wait a second, she sent a messenger, she didn't show up herself, this is how she treats me, I don't want to give the get anymore. There's such people like that, right? They might be uh, particular about the that the wife be there herself and not um, and not a messenger. Now, if it's the husband himself who's there and then she doesn't show up but sends a messenger, the husband has the choice right then and there to say, oh, she didn't show up, I'm not giving a get. But if he does give it, that'll be fine. However, when he sends a messenger, the husband isn't there to decide. So we have to assume that, in general, a husband would be particular. And therefore, if he sends a messenger and she sends a messenger, it's no good. So that's the reason why, um, in those cases, this opinion says she cannot appoint a messenger because we worry that maybe the husband will not, would not want his messenger to give it to a messenger. The husband would want it to go to her directly. All right, but in this case, we don't have to worry about that because the husband told the wife herself, when you get to Jerusalem, appoint a messenger to receive it. So obviously the husband is okay with uh, a messenger receiving it on her behalf. So therefore, if this is the reason, then we also, this, this is a goal, so a good answer, no problem. Right, because the Baal doesn't care. Now, but there's another opinion that says, why don't we like for a woman to appoint a messenger to receive it? Because we're worried, even though that technically would be okay, we're worried that it will come to another case of a third-party transfer through someone else's courtyard. That's a case where, we saw this already, the husband puts the get in the field of a third party right? Uh, not owned by him or her. And then he has that third party transfer the courtyard to the wife. And thereby, since she gains uh, ownership of the courtyard, she gains ownership of the get as well. But that is not valid um, because the husband never gave it directly to her. The husband gave it to the friend. It was the friend's courtyard. And then the friend is giving it to her. But that's not a transfer of the get from him to her. It's no good. Um, but the cases are similar enough that people will, will get confused. Uh, see, it is confusing because a husband can put it in her courtyard. The reason he can do that is because her courtyard is an extension of her hand. Um, it's not an agent, right? Um, uh, so it's just an extension of a hand. But people will think of, may think of the courtyard as an agent. And therefore, if you allow the wife to have, send a, a human agent to collect her get, then people will think that 
you can also use a courtyard as an agent. And therefore, he would be able to put this in the, some courtyard, and then the courtyard, when it gets to her, the courtyard will acquire it on her behalf. But actually, a courtyard can't be an agent. It can only be a hand, an extended hand. But she has to own the courtyard at the time that he puts it in, in order for the extended hand to work. And so that's the other opinion, uh, why it doesn't work. And if you say that opinion, then um, we don't, then we need a new solution because in this case, right, when the husband says, here, uh, take this get, bring it there, and you'll be the shaliach holacha, and then you'll appoint a shaliach kabbalah when you get there. But this opinion says, a woman cannot make a shaliach kabbalah because it always might look like a courtyard and may come, people, may, people may come to use a third-party courtyard. And so this would not be a valid solution. And instead, we have two answers. So it's a little variation, right? Very ingenious. Um, he, the husband in Egypt tells his wife, listen, you're going to be an agent for delivery. When you get to Jerusalem, you should appoint another shaliach um, for delivery, right? Because you don't have to bring it the whole way. Even a shaliach can appoint another shaliach. That's a big question, whether a shaliach can. But here the husband is telling her, yes, do that. So when she gets there, she'll find this guy, Mr. Friedman, and say, Mr. Friedman, listen, I am appointed to deliver this get. Now I am appointing you to further deliver the get. You're gonna, I took it from point A to point B, you take it from point B to point C. Now, Mr. Um, so now she did her job, right? She finished, she's completed. She could theoretically go back and said, I delivered it to Mr. Friedman to be a messenger for you, for the husband. Now she can change roles and go back into being herself, just a plain old wife, and she can receive the get from Mr. Friedman, and that's how you can solve all the problems. There is no messenger, she is not appointing a mess, there's no messenger for the wife to receive it, right? The messenger is that of the husband to give it. Or a slight um, alter, alternate version on that. Or it could be a case where the husband says, you are a, an agent for delivery until you get there. When you get there, go to the Betin and you will present the get before the Betin and you'll say the whole formula, right back to the Mishnah, that's explaining why she needs to say the formula. In all the cases, all these answers, she has to say the formula because in all of them, she is a shaliach and every shaliach that comes from uh, from overseas has to say the formula. And here too, she's a messenger, she is delivering it to the Betin and then uh, the Betin will be appointed as an agent, an, um, uh, an agent of delivery. So instead of Mr. Friedman, we're just replacing the Betin. But the Betin is not an agent to, to receive the get because we saw, according to this opinion, she cannot appoint an agent to receive the get. Uh, instead, the Betin will um, be an agent to deliver the get and then she goes back to being herself and she receives the get from the Betin Hadran Alach Hamevi Get. And that completes the second Perek. And now we begin the third pedic, Kol Get, Shenichtav Shelo Leshum Isha, Pasul, any get that is written not for the sake of this specific woman, 
who this husband wants to divorce is an invalid get. And now we're going to see a whole bunch of cases. Um, each case is going to build on and say something more than the one before. The Gemara will have to explain how each case is different and further expands the one before. Kesad. Haya over Bashuk, Veshama Kosofrim Makrin, Ish Peloni Megareshet Pelonit Memakom Peloni, Vamar Zeshemi, Vezeshemishti, Pasul Legareshpo. Someone was going by the marketplace, and in the marketplace there was some scribes. That's where they, that's where they're sitting. We're going to see, I'm going to say, is going to say, that's where they're studying to be scribes. Anyway, he sees, he hears some scribes who are dictating. Uh, the uh, the the language of the get. That's how copyists would. Uh, that's how people would publish books in the olden days. Um, you would have this is what the the, the Greeks did. Um, they would have one. They have one copy, one master copy. Someone would get up and read it out loud, and then you have ten or twenty or a hundred scribes in a room listening and writing everything down. So that's what you have here. Um, they don't know the the language of the get by heart, and so they uh, someone is reading it to this particular scribe. I don't one scribe, many scribes, however many, and uh, he hears this guy here saying. Ish plony, right, Mr. I'll use the same names again. Uh, Abraham ben Moshe uh, is going is divorcing Sarah bat um, uh, Moshe, and, uh, and in this in this place in Yerushalayim. Okay, and then this guy's passing by and happens to be his own name is also Abraham ben Moshe, who lives in Jerusalem, and his wife also. Her name is also Sarah bat Moshe, uh, who lives in Jerusalem. And look at that. So now he says, oh wait, look, already get. You know what? I was thinking this whole day I really should divorce my wife, and now there's a get all there ready for me. I don't have to bother uh, hiring someone to, to go and write it. I will go and buy it. And he goes home and gives his wife a get because now it's made so easy for him. This is no good because when they wrote it, they didn't have in mind this guy and this wife. They don't even know him, right? He just happened to be passing by. So therefore, it's not lishma, no good. Yater mikan, a bigger chidush. If some guy wrote a divorce for his wife, but he changed his mind, um, and uh, then someone else came and says, oh, I heard you were going to divorce your wife. You're, you're not using, you changed your mind. You're not using it. Listen, so happens. What's your name? Abraham ben Moshe. My name is also Abraham. My wife is the same, uh, same name as your wife and I really do want to divorce my wife and uh, but uh, you know you're saving me the trouble can I use you're not using that you mind if I use that get that's also not good even bigger Even if a one we're talking about one man now who has two wives and his two wives have the same name well, what are the chances? Could be. He really likes that name. And so he'll only marry people with that name and the same father's name and so on. Okay, so he has two wives with the same name and he wrote the get to divorce the older one of the two. Um, but then he says, you know what? I actually changed my mind. Afterwards, I'm going to use this get for the younger of the two wives. It's the same name. Not allowed, even though it's the very same husband. Still no good. 
יתר מכנן איבי ביגו חידוש, אמר ללברר, כתוב לאיזו שארסה אגרש, פסול לגרש בו. If a husband, same case as before, he's married to two wives with the same name, and when he goes to the scribe, he doesn't say, I want you to write it for the older one and then change it. Rather, he tells the scribe, write the get, and I'm going to decide later which one I want. So it was never designated for the older or for the younger. It was left undesignated. Uh, but he has in mind that it'll be for one of these two. Um, maybe he'll make a contest when he gets home, right? Who makes the best uh, cheesecake for him? I don't know why. But he's doing this, and he says, I'll, I'll decide later which one is going to be. Um, that is also no good. He has to have a particular wife in mind when he writes the get, and he cannot decide later through the act of bedira. Bedira is going to come up, meaning clarification. He can't clarify later and uh, what was left ambiguous before. He has to know precisely who he has in mind from beforehand and tell the get. This is, tell the scribe, this is for the older one. And then he has to use it for the older one. Okay, good. So now we're uh, quoting the second case, right, where uh, some guy with the same name changes his mind and uh, uh, someone else wants to use it. So, okay, we understand that case, but what was the case of the Resha? In what way is the second case any more of a chidush than the first case? The first case also uh, looks like the scribe was, was uh, dictating for some particular couple, Abraham and Sarah, and then the some second guy comes and says, oh, let me use it. So same as the second case, why you mention, why you saying this is even more? And Papa says the first case is talking about uh, where the scribes are only practicing. They're learning how to write Gitin. So they didn't have in mind anyone, right? Just the announcer made up names off the off the spot. The teacher said, okay, everybody write a get, right? And write the write the date, write the place, right? He made up a name. Abraham ben Moshe. Sarah ben Moshe. And so they write that. The guy passing by says, oh, just so happens that that's my name and that's my wife's name. So here is a, a simple, it's a simple case because the scribes didn't write this as a valid get at all. They didn't have in mind anybody. And so that's why surely it's no good. It was not even written with having in mind that this will be a usable get. Just like we had on the previous daf, Ravashe is very astute in looking at the wording of the Mishnah to find in it a hint um, to the opinion. And so Ravashe said that Ravapa is not just making an outside okimta. Look carefully at the words in the Mishnah. It says that the scribes are dictating and not the scribes are reading. If it was a scribe, who knows what he's doing? And um, and he's writing it for someone in particular. So then he's going to be writing it. He's going to be reading, right, to make sure that what he wrote is correct. Um, or he maybe has a, he made a sample, and now he's reading the sample to uh, double check it and then writing it. Um, so then that would be he's writing it for someone in particular. But it doesn't say the scribe is reading. It said it said the scribe is dictate dictating the different korin and makrin. Um, so makrin is reading it so others. Can hear it. Why would he do that? It means that there are other people. Who are the others? There are the students that the teacher is teaching how to write. 
So therefore, it's an educational atmosphere, and no, the students are not writing them as a valid get. And so you can see that the Mishnah really does mean what our Papa said it means. Now, Maya Termiken, now what is, what's the moreover in all of the cases? Interesting, we have a Braita from the school of Rabbi Ishmael that already assumes the answer of Rav Papa and says not only um, the first case where it was not even written having in mind that this would be a get, it was just for practice writing, but even the second case where this guy, Avraham, really did write it for his wife, Sarah, but then he changed his mind. It was written as a get, but just not for this particular uh, woman, um, so that's a bigger chidush. And not only the one that was not written for his himself would not be good, but even if it was written for himself, it would also not be good. Meaning, if one husband has two wives, where he is the one writing, so not only if it's one Avraham writing it for another uh, writing it for his Sadah, uh, another Avraham can't write it for his Sadah, but even if the very same guy is writing it for two of his wives, who are both named Sadah, even that's, that's a bigger chidush. And not only a case where it was not written for the younger one, because he had in mind that it would be for the older one and not for the younger one, that's no good. Even in the last case where um, it was written for, in general, either one of my wives that I decide to, uh, to divorce later, even though he, he didn't have in mind which one, um, and he, he wants to leave it ambiguous and decide later, even then, it's no good. Now, what is the reason why in all of these cases, the get is invalid? What is the source from the Torah? So we're going to derive all of these cases from the exact precise language of the Torah. Um, it does say, V'katab la v'natan biyada. That's what the Torah says. So we know that it has to be lishma. Uh, but let's look at the exact language. Um, if it, if the Torah did not use the the word v'chatav, that he has to write it. He j- it just says, Natan sefekiritut biyada. He has to give a divorce document in her hand. If it only had that formulation, Torah, then I would know about the first case where he, the scribes are practicing and not even writing a divorce document because it says he has to give a divorce document. So it has to be written for a divorce document. So I would know that. But I might still think that if Zongaz, someone is writing a divorce document, some of Abraham is writing it for Sarah, and changes his mind, well, since he wrote it as a divorce document, I might think that a different Abraham can give it to his wife, Sarah. Um, I would say it's kosher. That's why the Torah adds in another verb, vechatav, right? He has to actually write a, he has to write this, this divorce document uh, for his wife. But if it only had that word, vechatav, 
then I might think as long as it's uh, it, it's only a problem if it's a different man. If it's one Avraham who wrote it, then a different Avraham can't can't use the same one because he did not write it. But if it's the same Avraham who happens to be married to two women named Sarah, since he is in fact writing it, I might think that it's okay. He can decide to use it for the younger one instead of the older one that he had thought of. That's why the Torah adds in another word, La has to be written for her in particular. So that's how we know all those cases. Now the last one, Vesefa Lamali, and what's added by the last clause, This comes to teach us that there is no retroactive clarification. The person, can, the husband cannot say, to the scribe, I'm going to leave it ambiguous for now. Um, so I'm not designated either one, and I'll decide later which one uh, retroactively you will now have in mind, or, or even not retroactively. You know, I'll leave it open and I can fill it in later. Um, that does not work, and so it has to be la even at the time of the writing. He has to know exactly which one he is writing it for. All right, and now last point, we're going to be comparing get nashim to a loan document. There is a similarity in that a woman who has a get can use it to collect the ketubah. She says, look, you gave me the get, now you have to pay the ketubah. And so we can have a problem, a potential problem, if uh, there's um, a, a get gets into the wrong hands of the wrong woman, or like if there's two uh, wives that are, have the same name, and one puts it down and the other one picks it up, he, she she can say, oh, you owe me the ketuvah, I'm the one that's divorced. So let's see what we can learn from the comparison. So since uh, the Mishnah says that if he wrote it for the older Sadabat Avraham, he cannot, the husband cannot use it for the younger uh, wife, Sadabat Avraham. Um, so the, it's the younger one that he can't use it for, but we can infer that the older one, he can use it for. He had in mind to use it for the older one. He wrote it for her, so he can use it for her. And we don't worry that, oh, maybe she'll put it down and the younger one will pick it up one day and try to uh, extract her ketubah payment. We don't worry about that. Rava says we can derive from this about a different discussion, the one that's, that comes up in Baba Batra, that let's say there's two people named Yosef ben Shimon, and they're living in the same city. Um, uh, they, one of them can produce a, an IOU, against someone else, someone else uh, named uh, Pinchas ben El-Azhar, right? And uh, can go to Pinchas ben El-Azhar and he can say, listen, this says here that you owe me a hundred dollars. And Pin, this uh, Pinchas can say, oh no, I don't owe you the huge Yosef ben Shimon, I owe the other Yosef ben Shimon. Right, he can he can say that. Look, he owes someone because he is named in the IOU, so he's going to have to pay someone. So Ravas says, I can derive from here since one of these two co-wives is divorced and is going to has has a rightful claim to receive a kituba payment, and the Mishnah says that the husband can still use it for the older one for whom it was designated. So now the older one will you will be able to use it to extract money if that's permitted. Then. 
Rava says it's also going to be uh, usable in uh, in the loan document case. And this resolves a controversy that's over there because there's another opinion that, there that says, wait, if there's two people with the same name, then the uh, the one who has to give money can say, no, I don't know you, I owe the other one. Right? We can resolve from here that no, he, he cannot have such a, such a claim and whoever is possessing the document, we assume is the rightful person to collect that loan or that payment and uh, we don't have to worry that it fell into the wrong hands. So that's what Avad derives. Amale Abayabah is going to reject this and says, Ela me'ata resha dekatani shemikeshimcha pasul legaresh bo. The second case of the Mishnah, where he, they're, they're now in this case, there's two men with the same name. See, in the case we just talked about, there's two women with the same name. So now we're flipping, uh, flipping it around because the one of the two men is going to have to pay money and so in that case, when some Avraham writes a get for his wife and he not, decides not to use it, and a different Avraham decides that he's going to use it, the second one cannot use it. But the first guy who had it, who did use what had ever in for him, he can use it. In other words, um, um, a man named Avraham ben Moshe can use a get with his name, even though there's another guy in town with the same name, and he doesn't have to worry that uh, somehow it's going to fall into the wrong hands, um, into that wife's name, um, who will then be able to extract money from her husband. He doesn't have to worry about that. Right, so it's permitted. But this, if you're really going to make this analogy between gitin and loans fully, then you'll have to admit, Abaya tells Rava, you'll have to admit that here, that in the case of loans, also that if there are two people in the same town, both named Pinchas ben El Azar, and someone comes with a promissory note. This guy uh, Reuven, and he says, "Oh, look! I have a document that says uh, Pinchas Ben Elazar owes me money." And he comes to this Pinchas Ben Elazar and he says, "You pay me, right?" Um, uh, so the Mishnah over there said that's no good because this Pinchas Ben Elazar says, "No, it's not me. It's the other one." He goes to the other one and says, "Not me. It's the other one." And over there, the Mishnah says everyone agrees that you cannot use a a document to collect money if there's two people in this in in the town with the same name. However, from what you're you're, you're if you're going to compare them, the the parallel case in uh, in uh, in Gitin would not, would not be would be would not be true. Um, because here you have a case where um, you have a wife and she potentially could collect a get from two different people. There's two different husbands with the same name. And so would either this wife or the other wife would be able to take this document and collect. Um, and we know that that's not true for Gitin and therefore it's not proper to make the analogy from Get, get Nashim where you can do it, right? You can um, use a get that's written for one couple, um, even if there happens to be another couple in town, and we don't worry about uh, getting into the wrong hands and the wrong wife collecting from the wrong husband. That is true, right? Even though for the parallel case of a loan, it would not be um, it would not be valid to collect money if there's two people in this with the same name who have to pay.
And so uh, Abaya says, actually, you cannot make this analogy. Rather, um, Abaya explains that our Mishnah is talking about a case where there are witnesses who observe the transmission. And we're following the opinion of Rabbi Al-Azad that say that the witnesses that observe the transmission are the main ones that create the um, the divorce. And since there are witnesses, they can testify, oh, we saw it's this particular couple and that and not that particular couple. And that's why the first Moshe um, and Sarah, who had who wrote it himself, uh, for himself, he can use it, and the other one can't use it because there's no problem of it being um, of it getting mixed up. But that's not analogous to the case of a loan where you don't necessarily have witnesses that saw this particular uh, Pinchas ben Avraham and that uh, um, uh, agree to uh, agree to the payment. And so, therefore, you cannot make an analogy between the two. And if you can't make an analogy between the two in that case with two men of the same name. Then so too, in the case that Rava was talking about, where it's one man named Moshe with two women with the same name Sarah, the co-wives, also we can assume that that was, that's talking about a case where there are witnesses to the transmission. And those witnesses will be able to clarify and say, oh, he gave it to the older Sarah and not to the younger one. And so that's why we don't have to worry about the younger one ever coming and producing the get and trying to uh, extract the ketuvah payment. That's why we don't worry about it in get. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can make an analogy for a loan where you don't have witnesses to the transmission. And that's why Abaye says, I can explain this Mishnah differently, that there are, there are transmission uh, witnesses and uh, you cannot derive what Ravah tries to derive from this Mishnah. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.